0: Galatians chapter 5, where we uh, are looking at uh, the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22 and 23. But again, for context, let's read from verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, this is God's Word. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other When those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. All of us are like grass, the grass withers, the flowers fall. But God's Word abides forever, and that's God's Word that we've read. We trust that it will abide in our hearts. Let's pray. O Lord, we bow down before you and join with your Son, who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in prayer, that we may be sanctified by the truth. Thy word is truth. Please open our eyes that we may see wondrous things in your law and kindly grant that the chorus of our hearts here would be by word and deed, Oh, how I love you, Lord. It is my meditation all day long. We please pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to the seventh of these graces, seventh of these nine expressions of the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. We thank God for the fire he has brought us and pray that uh, he will strengthen us to see the beauty of this facet of the fruit of the Spirit and to desire it, to long for it. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. I have three points. One is to invite you to see faithfulness. As an excellency of God, as an attribute of God. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, what do you think is God's opinion on unfaithfulness? What is God's opinion on falsehood? His opinion on falsehood, his opinion on unfaithfulness is expressed a terrible sentence pronounced in Revelation chapter 21 and in other places in Scripture. Revelation 21 verse 8 that we could read from verse 7, Scripture says, The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, they detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. In describing the marks of those who'd not see the insides of heaven, as he describes their character there in Revelation 21 verse 8, three times a term is used, or terms are used that would describe unfaithfulness. He says, but as for the cowardly, our coward is a person who knows how they ought to conduct themselves, but they conduct themselves differently in order to save their skin. Such would be in hell. As for the faithless, these two would be in hell. And then liars are also described there. All liars would be in hell. So all the liars, all the cowardly, and all the faithless will have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. This sounds an extreme position. This sounds an extreme position
1: taken by God. There are a lot of extreme
0: things out here today. Extreme sports, extreme makeovers, extreme that and
1: that extreme driving.
0: Extreme means greater than ordinary. It suggests radical or excessive, at times even unreasonable. Now when we think about God with regards to his faithfulness, we can say his faithfulness is beyond what would be considered normal. It's an extreme faithfulness. The Old Testament shows us God as a promise-making, promise-keeping God, and we ascribe greatness to him, the Lord our God, whose works are perfect and all his ways are just. He is the God of faithfulness. Thus, he describes himself to Moses. He entered into a promise, a promise laden relationship with Abraham. He called it covenant. And the history of Israel would be sketched along with lines of faithfulness from God. As you look at the sketch of Israel's history, you keep seeing lines of the faithful God. God is chronicled in the history of Israel as the one who is faithful and true to his word, in the midst of an unfaithful people who constantly go back on theirs. It's as if the nation of Israel is a dark backdrop that is ugly, that makes the precious diamond of God's faithfulness to really stand out beautifully. Israel keeps turning away from God to follow idols and the nations around them. They commit adultery. The prophets who call them to account end up using some very graphic language as they call them to, to sobriety, as was the case with Ezekiel in Ezekiel 23, verse 16 to 21. Yet, in the midst of the unfaithfulness of Israel, God, allow me to use the term perseverance in his faithful love and the book of Hosea illustrates it marvelously as Hosea pursues Gomer, who does not deserve any love. Amidst the flame, amidst the rubble of Jerusalem destroyed under God's wrath because of their unfaithfulness The prophet Jeremiah writes, there are these words that are popular, that are known to many of us in Lamentations chapter 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He sees the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God, such destruction. Yes. God is faithful to all aspects of his covenant. And this should help us to really, as Pastor Murungi did tell us in the morning, have a strengthened assurance. Because if God would keep the covenant, even where it meant inflicting severe pain, to those who were his people, then we who are in Christ should rest in the fact that we know that this God who has begun this good work in us is faithful to bring it to accomplishment. And those are the words of Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. We are confident in this fact that he who began a good work in us is faithful to bring it to accomplishment. God proved faithful to his word, his word of warning, and he destroyed Jerusalem. And he would be faithful to his word of promise. He preserved a remnant, and through that remnant, the Lord Jesus Christ was born, and he kept the promise to David that on the throne of David, there would be a king who would sit Eternally, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Why this extreme faithfulness
1: in promise-keeping?
0: Why does God find place for compassion, room for steadfast love? After all, if someone wants nothing to do with us, there comes a point when we say, okay, if that's what you want, then let it be. Why is God so steadfast in his faithfulness? Why this extreme faithfulness? One may even humanly say, and I use a foolish language, why such stubborn faithfulness, so unwavering? in keeping His promise, we have two answers stemming
1: from one reason. Firstly, God cannot lie. As I've said here
0: before, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God would be imagined to be one whom you cannot put the words cannot next to him. How? How do you put cannot next to the omnipotent one? How do you put cannot next to the omniscient one? Surely will he not find a way of at least doing it? When it comes to lie, Scripture says God cannot lie. We are not told he does not lie. We are not told it is difficult for him to lie. We are instead told that God cannot lie. Even if he tried, he would not succeed at that. He cannot lie. The writer of Hebrews explains the surety of God's promise to Abraham. Thus to all believers... There in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, for it says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. God cannot lie. So when he says, I will do this, he will do it. Secondly, God cannot violate his character. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13, if we are faithless, he, God, remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot violate his character. Now, the God who cannot lie, And the God who cannot violate his character also cannot fail. It is another place where cannot is put next to God's name. If he sets out to do something, he will do it. This God, now that we are talking about faithfulness, tells us that without faith, it is impossible for us to please him. We cannot please him without faith. Scripture does not tell us there in Hebrews 11.6 that without faith it is difficult to please God. To attempt the difficult is a thing we would laud; It's a thing we would clap for. But to attempt the impossible is madness. And God says, don't. Don't try to attempt to please me without faith. God remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So to be a Christian is to be called to a life of faithfulness. But our life, our duty of Christian faithfulness, properly understood, should be seen as a response, a response to the God of extreme faithfulness. a God who is supreme in faithfulness. Faithfulness, first and foremost, to Himself. He always acts in perfect conformity to His own holy character, to His own holy purpose. He is not one thing when He is alone and one thing when He is in public. Because unfaithfulness tends to be that way. Somebody would be this in church and the other at work. That is not God. He is faithful to himself. He always acts in perfect conformity to his own character and to his own purpose. He has a singular objective and his objective is his glory. And he is unfaith- unfailingly. Faithful to that good. God is faithful, and the Christian call to faithfulness is a response to God's
1: faithfulness.
0: Secondly, Let's think about this faithfulness of God exemplified by Christ. Our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ embodies, demonstrates as the God-man the faithfulness of God. The Hebrews text tells us in Hebrews chapter 6
1: verse 19 to 20,
0: That we should be encouraged to put our trust and find our hope in Christ, in the assurance of God's faithfulness. Jesus is the only one faithful to the covenant demands, and it is Him that God, it is in three it is in him and through him that God keeps His promises to you and to me. The Book of Revelation, Jesus as the Redeemer King is portrayed in faithfulness. In Revelation chapter one verse five, He is the faithful witness. Also in Revelation three fourteen, He is the faithful witness. His very name in Revelation chapter nineteen verse eleven is faithful. The faithfulness of God to Himself and of Christ to the Father provides the deep root upon which God's faithfulness to his covenant people is found.
1: So the faithfulness of Christ towards God
0: is a basis upon which God then is able to keep Those promises to you. This faithfulness is a beautiful example. The faithfulness of Christ is the faithfulness of the Son toward his Father. Hebrews 3 would tell us 1 and 2 to consider
1: Jesus, the Apostle and the High
0: Priest of our confession who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. And then in verse 5, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant, to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful of God's house as a son. This faithfulness of Christ to God is the faithfulness of our son toward his father in pursuit of our salvation according to the terms of the covenant of redemption. And when you think about the attributes of God, the excellencies of God, they are those attributes of God that even though they've always been there because God does not change, he, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, for example, the holiness of God was always there. But the holiness of God comes into visibility once there are creatures, because it's after creation that that otherness of God, that total distinction of God from the creature, the holiness of God then can be seen. But there are attributes of God that have been there Before creation, in terms of their demonstration, for example, love, the triune Godhead expressed love even before anything was created. And when we think about faithfulness, and we think about the fact that from before the foundations of the earth, You are foreknown. And the covenant of redemption between the father and the son was entered into, demonstrates this attribute, long, long, long before anything was created, was already being showcased. God is faithful to himself, and Christ is faithful to the Father. This provides the deep roots of faithfulness to his covenant people. This intra-Trinitarian vision of divine faithfulness supplies the life which our faithfulness to God becomes the fruit. And it's a fruit that is a result of the work of the Holy Spirit in us.
1: Christian faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit.
0: If the Spirit himself is a gift, he is a gift of divine faithfulness. The Spirit brings out this fruit of faithfulness, this fruit of being a people who will do what is right, not only when it's convenient, but out of commitment, loyalty, courage, principle-driven commitment, utter reliability, true to one's word, and other such descriptions that would mark out one who would be described as walking in the fruit of faithfulness. The opposite, the one who is a fair-weather person, who only commits to do certain things when it's convenient, but when it's challenging, they walk back. The opposite would be opportunists. The counterfeit version of faithfulness would be the kind of person who loves without truth a thing that Scripture does not... uh, Envision as being uh, godly. It is love in truth and truth in love, but no, never love without truth. Counterfeit faithfulness would be loving when it's supposed to challenge the status quo because it is devoid of truth. Another way it would be counterfeit is being loyal when you should be willing to confront or challenge what is wrong. Let's, as we draw towards a conclusion, talk about faithfulness as expected by God. What is the divine expectation with regards to faithfulness? The space of the sermon will not allow me to be exhaustive, but I can say a few things. We are to be faithful as regards our word. We need to pray with
1: David. If we are true
0: Christians, that we would take heed of our ways and sin not with our tongues. That we would bridle our mouths. That we would set watch before our mouths to keep the door of our lips.
1: James who was keen to recommend
0: the daily practice of Christianity in, in common life devotes a whole chapter to the importance of words and the good or evil that they may do James says, if any among you seems to be religious but does not bridle his tongue, that man's religion is vain. Again, James says that if a man does not offend by what he says in word, such a person is a perfect man and able also to bridle His whole body. Our Savior, with regards to words, also does tell us that for every idle word, we shall be brought
1: into judgment. The Christian,
0: therefore, as a result of striving to express the fruit of faithfulness, will cautiously weigh his words and guard his conversations so that he does not offend, he does not say things that would be against the truth
1: and therefore against God and man. A Christian will speak nothing but what he knows to be true and only speak that truth in love. There are many, however, who talk a lot.
0: They cannot talk cautiously. And therefore, talk a lot of error and talk a lot of falsehood. The briefest pause in conversation
1: is a painful time for them. Because they feel bound
0: to fill up any silence with words. And once they begin talking, they are charmed by their own voice. And they go on and on and on, lest they interrupt the opportunity
1: to delight in their own eloquence.
0: We need to be careful because in the midst of much speaking, there is error. In such talking, a lot we will make promises, we will make promises in a rash way, and therefore fail to be faithful. We will misrepresent people or facts. We will pass on
1: rumors. We will uphold a lack of faithfulness when we are a people with many words. Closely related is
0: a call to faithfulness as regards our promises. When as human beings we wish to make an assertion more binding, we will confirm it with an oath and what an oath basically is, is that we are declaring what we are saying in the presence of God as
1: witness. Few people
0: most, and, and most importantly, true Christians will avoid, will will find themselves, let me put it this way few Christians will engage in oath taking lightly. They would weigh their capacity, they would weigh their opportunity to perform what they are promising to do before they bind themselves in making the promise. But you see, as Christians, we believe to be in the presence of God at all times, as Brother Wheat reminded us in the morning. And he is a witness in all our engagements, So with the Christian, every promise has a sanctity of an oath, and therefore
1: we don't make promises lightly.
0: There are those, however, who, because of the enthusiasm, the excitement of the moment, who pledge themselves honestly to a neighbor, or to a society, or to a church, to a fellowship. They bind
1: themselves. And then, they are unable to perform what with the excitement they had promised to do. We need to be careful in promise-making. The failure
0: of one to perform his promise may cause another person to fail who was innocent. And so we need to be careful when we make promises.
1: Think about weddings, because
0: there are a lot of weddings coming up. Maybe this is a place where I could talk about this. Think about yourself. Maybe you've promised I'll show up and uh, be the makeup person. I'll, I'll do makeup for you. I'll be there by 7.30. By 8 we will be done. You arrive at 8 and therefore are done by 8.30. doesn't look much because anyway the wedding is starting at 10. But then you are coming from a place where if you leave at 8.30, you'll arrive here at 10.30. So the wedding starts at 10.30. Now the caterer was told, ensure at one sharp the food is ready. Now because you arrived at 10.30, you precipitated that situation that brought about arrival at church at 10.30. The wedding starts at the very least 30 minutes late. The caterer is ready to serve by one.
1: At best, people eat 30 minutes late.
0: At worst, it could be more. The last person to eat or the last group of people to eat will be eating cold food. And depending on what type of food was cooked, they could even develop a stomach problem. Because of eating one hour late, a thing that occurred because the person who was doing makeup was... 30 minutes late. And so the theaterer will now not have orders given to him or her because her food made people sick. But did her food really make people sick, or did the makeup person make people sick? And so we need to realize that when we fail to keep our promise, the domino effect, the 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 outflow of that could be really, really far-reaching. Vows of duty to God and pledges of truth in our engagements with each other need to be kept. They need to be cautiously made and then kept. Again, I think because of weddings, we need to say this. It is not necessarily virtuous to make promises extravagantly. The important thing is whether you do what you plan to do well. If I make flowery promises, the most beautiful poems could be exchanged. And I'm not saying don't come up with poems. But I'm just saying if that's the case, extravagantly communicated but then we don't keep our vows well, there is really no virtue found in those extravagant uh, promises
1: or promises made extravagantly.
0: We don't need to multiply vows upon our souls, we should care, we should take care
1: before we utter anything with our lips
0: so that then we can fulfill what we pronounce. The extreme here is people who then say, I will not promise anything so that then I can't be held up to the standard of faithfulness. The way to ensure I am faithful is to promise nothing. But you see, there are promises that you've already entered into that have been made for you by others. Adam and Eve made a promise for you. And so you are bound to, in some ways, to things that others have made. And so we need to know what has been entered into by others for me and escaping by saying, I won't make any promises so that then I'm faithful is is not wise. It is tantamount to what is called unfaithful by the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew twenty-five, when he is addressing the wicked servant who decided he would bury his talent. Let's think about situations that we find ourselves in many times where we end up being cowardly or liars, or faithless. Those three things that we saw there in Revelation 21, 8, that mark out people who would be on the outside. Think about how we conduct ourselves when we are intimidated by public opinion
1: what the public thinks on the matter. The
0: man of truth, the man man of faithfulness, the lady of truth, the lady of faithfulness will not be seduced and he or she will not be intimidated by mere public opinion.
1: The seduction
0: of public opinion has led to many, many wrongs being committed by people who know better. And the dread of public opinion
1: has deterred many into cowardice. When they know what they should do right, they shrink back. Man who is able to be faithful to God will mark his boundaries in life, his course in life by God's word.
0: Such a person will not be swept to and fro by human opinion, but he will steer through life. She will steer through life fixed, upon God's Word, fixed upon heavenly truth, which shines in ways that cannot be deemed by public opinion or by the perception of men. If 10,000 houseflies believe that that is good, you don't go along and say, because 10,000 houseflies believe it's good, then I'll go along. No. You know better.
1: And we remember our Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ who was faithful,
0: who did not go with public opinion, and who stood for the truth when he could have been intimidated.
1: The faithful person
0: looks at the judgment of God alone. The judgment of man is only valuable to him or her when it coincides with the judgment of God. Is that the kind of person you are? Have you come to a place where God's perspective on a matter is so important to you that you no longer are concerned? I'm not saying you're belligerent and careless in how you deal with people, but you do not swing upon the opinion of man. And it only is important to you when it coincides with the opinion of God.
1: We as Christians
0: need to remember we've been called to stand out, not to blend in been called to be cities set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. And you are different, many times, is a compliment. In fact, there are times when we need to ask ourselves, did I say something wrong when the world is clapping for us, did I say something foolish, because we shouldn't expect the world to clap for us when we are busy doing that which is holy. The Lord Jesus Christ reminds us, one, to you, when men applaud you and clap for
1: you, for so they did to the false prophets.
0: Then there is the challenge of insincerity and hypocrisy. Pretending to be better than we are. People will tell you, you, you're pretending to be better than you are. You're only a hypocrite. And that tends to make many people shrink back from faithfulness. You don't want to be labeled that. Or yet, frequently, people shrink from the laugh of the world. That slow, unmoving finger of scorn that settles on you and laughs so loudly at what you're doing. You remain faithful. Young man, your workmates at work may laugh at you when you say, We are walking in purity. We have determined to walk down the altar pure. And your male friends in the office will laugh at you. They'll scorn you. Remain faithful. Remain faithful. Do not conform to the
1: patterns of this world.
0: The matter we are bringing here is a serious one because... As you read history, in the face of persecutions, you find so many Christians who remain faithful, even when the sword is on their neck, even when their heads are on the guillotine. But how frequently, on the other hand, in these days of comparative safety, do we find truth being laughed into corners
1: And the Christian
0: who is faithful being made to hang his head, blushing when they should be confident in saying this is the biblical truth. I stand with it. It is not reasonable that I do otherwise. So help me God. And it's not a new thing, Peter was able to face up Malchus with the sword. But he was unable to
1: face the sarcastic question
0: of a harmless kitchen maid. And so we need to realize that it is much more easy to be cowards than we think it is. Why is it that we are slow to evangelize? To reach out and preach the gospel and share the gospel with others? Is it not because of a poorly developed fruit of faithfulness? We could go on and on and see many, many areas where we find ourselves being faithful among the good, but once we go out among the bad,
1: we hide from the truth. What
0: purpose is the Christian being sent into the world? But to let his light so shine before men, that as they see it, they would glorify the Father. May the Lord help us to be faithful. May the Lord help us to let our light so
1: shine before men.
0: Then there are those who would be faithful in their youth. But as time goes by and they add years to their age, They begin behaving as if faithfulness is only for the young. Attending prayer meetings is only for the young. Coming to church consistently is only for the young. But is that the case? Is that the faithfulness we are called to? A faithfulness
1: that ends with youth? Then there are those who are faithful when they are poor when their bank account doesn't have much, they are faithful. But as the Lord
0: blesses them and gives them much, their faithfulness begins to reside into the burner. So is this fruit of faithful only to be found amongst
1: the poor? there are those then
0: who are faithful when they have money. They express the fruit of faithfulness in the early part of the month. But as the month goes by and there is more days, more month at the end of their money, then more and more they demonstrate less and less the graces that should mark out a Christian. Is faithfulness a thing we do only when we are rich and comfortable? That's not the case.
1: The true Christian in
0: whom the Spirit of God dwells is faithful and will always be so. And we'll always be so in all places, with all companies, in all situations. And that is what God is calling us to. They do not succumb to lying, they do not succumb to cowardice, and they do not deny the thing. They're never extravagant in their profession,
1: but always firm to their
0: principles. There'll be temptations to the faithfulness. But such temptations would be what fire is to gold. It would purify and purge their faithfulness and remove all the dross. So that like Moses, they would live as seeing him who is invisible. Like Abraham, They would leave as those who are looking for a city whose maker and builder is God, like Paul. They would fight the good fight of faith, running the race to the end and keeping the faith. Yes, like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they'll be looking for the reward set before him. There is divine enablement for faithfulness. Because as we look at this, we would ask ourselves, who is sufficient for these things? And the answer is clearly none. None of us is sufficient for these things. So often we are the ones who are even proposing to sin. The traffic policeman stops you. And even before they ask for money, you're saying a chai. While we should be doing what is right, we are weak. The city council officer comes to your business, and we are the ones proposing sin.
1: We need to stand rebuilt
0: and to see that the God who takes faithfulness seriously, is not playing jokes when he says that the coward and the liar and the faithless will be out.
1: Let's think about God's
0: Word. Let's get to know the Scriptures, because in knowing the truth of God's Word, then we have compass that will help us to know what is expected of us, it would be able to show us this is the expectation of God concerning our lives. Ignorance of the truth would put you at a terrible disadvantage with regards to faithfulness. So we spend time in the Word. Then let's remember the apostles of old, faced with situations where They were tempted to go back. Acts chapter 4 comes to mind when they had been threatened to no longer speak in this name. They prayed. And what did they pray for? Boldness. They prayed for boldness. And the Apostle Paul keeps saying, pray that we may be bold, pray that we may be able to effectively preach the truth. And so, likewise, we ought to pray. We ought to exercise this means of grace, being in the Word, and prayer. And we need to be amongst brethren. In the fellowship of the brethren, there will be a sense in which we'll be stirred up to love and good deeds. We will speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We will be equipped for works of service. And this would be our responsibilities in cultivating this fruit. God's grace will more and more produce the fruit of the Spirit, which is faithfulness. This fruit cannot be produced outside Christ. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. And so if you would want to grow in faithfulness, a thing which is necessary, if you are going to enter heaven, then turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Delay no longer. This afternoon, the Lord Jesus Christ says, Seek me while I may be found. Call on me while I am yet. Let us pray.
1: Lord, we look at our lives.
0: And we are embarrassed at the many times when we have been unfaithful. When we've made promises to you and to fellow man and broken them. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Please help us to live upon Christ, the faithful son in your house. Help us, O Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit to be those who are faithful. Faithful to the very end, even as you told the church in Smyrna there in in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. But if they were faithful to the end, then they would receive a crown of life. In fact, faithful unto death is what you called them to be, that you promised them the crown of life. O oh Lord, we look up to you who has been faithful. We please pray, may such faithfulness be found abundant in our midst. We please pray this in Jesus' name. Let's kindly rise up and sing about the faithfulness of God. In light of our own struggles with faithfulness, let us remember the God who is faithful and sing heartily, Great is thy faithfulness.